Hello, hello, hello. What is up? I'm Bobby Carello. His number's on the boards. Uh, off-season mode, kind of? Sort of? I guess. Uh, in, I, this is the last podcast of the regular season, so I guess once we're done, then the regular season is officially over. I think that's true. Yeah. Uh, the season starts when we say it does, it ends when we say it does. Joining me today, as always, now that he's proven that a mere mortal can intimidate old man weather into submission so, and tell that man to get the hell out of here he is jeff skin wade thank you america thank you very much uh very excited to do our hour I, do you ever do say r when you're saying hour always it's so difficult yeah uh, is that a texan thing or is that i guess so man I, it's funny there is a person that was a speech pathologist that one time pointed out to me you know you don't talk very well for someone not like vocabulary, but like enunciate. Mm. She was like, you don't really enunciate that well for someone who broadcasts. And I was like, well, thank you for exacerbating my insecurities. I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. But, um, but hey, it's part of our uh, Texas charm there. But um, I can't believe you do what you do. If someone that talks as horribly as you do, it it's is, incredible. It, is really, uh, it defies I thought, belief. I thought I talked good. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, but so we're we're still going to be podcasting from time to time, but they're going to be as needed podcasts. Mm-hmm. We don't need to come in here every week and and give you guys stuff. But unfortunately, I do. But you don't. You, well, right, right. But as far as number now, you're going to have some. Can can you pull the curtain back on things that you have brewing or no? Uh, well, I think that it's a good thing if I do because that puts more pressure on us to actually do them. Do it. So do this it. summer, uh, in addition to podcasts with you, probably. Mm-hmm. I would imagine around the lottery, maybe around the draft, yep. and then around free agency. Kind of, yep. you know, every every couple weeks, every we'll few weeks. We'll do them as needed. Yeah. Um, Mike and I are going to hopefully launch a pretty in-depth, pretty uh, pretty nerdy, pretty all-encompassing Mavs history podcast where we're going to can't wait for this. take everybody down, down, I mean, as far as the rabbit hole goes, right? All the right. way back to the beginning. Uh, why the NBA chose, a, chose Dallas, why Dallas chose the NBA, mm-hmm. how the team got started. Uh, all through the 80s, through the 90s, up until trading for Chris Tapps Porzingis, basically. I mean, it, it is going to be like, it's going to be super thorough, um, many installments, and it is going to be pretty, pretty badass, I think. Right, I'm very excited about this because, number one, uh, you two dudes have the talent to pull this off the right way. Thank you. Number two, you guys have the resources to pull it off the right way. And number three, this thing is needed. I almost, like the way you're describing it to me the other day, I almost uh, heard it like it's uh, like a podcast documentary or something. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. Uh, you remember the dude that came over from Slovenia that did the, uh, he was calling it the radio documentary? Yeah. That's kind of like what I have in my show mind. show great, too. Yeah, so that, that's what I have in my mind of what you guys are doing. And I would like to throw my hat in the ring uh, when I'll be a very small part of it. But when you guys talk about Moody Madness, I was at Moody Madness. And Moody Madness is... Were you actually there, or are you one of the people that claims that you were there? I was going to say, it's like the Wilt Chamberlain game, right? Everyone says, you know, that's 100 years old, says they were there, and there was like seven people there. So me and my dad had season tickets, but because... And Steve Letson's going to be amazing when you guys do this. Yeah. Because that's actually what brought Steve Letson over to the Mavs from working at Moody Coliseum. That game. Yes. Really? Oh, see I'm drop I'm I'm Man. Wait till you I wait. already learned yes. I thought he was one of the not one of the day oneers, but I mean I guess Moody Madness is the very beginning. No, but I thought he it's was nineteen eighty four that yeah, or eighty four. Yeah. Uh so yeah, so he worked I believe he was operations for Moody Coliseum or did something for SMU. One of those things. But then he just killed that game he and just, they were like he killed it. And so keep in mind back reunion was seventeen thousand and seven. Yeah. And that game, for those that don't know 
though, was it was game. It was the clinching game of a first round playoff series. Game five, and it was moved to Moody Coliseum, which it wasn't quite half the size. I think it was like nine thousand and something, but almost half the size. And it was moved there because a tennis event was scheduled at Reunion Arena. So you had back then, I believe Steve will know, but I believe you had twelve or thirteen thousand season ticket holders, mm-hmm. right? And they all get playoff tickets. So you had several thousand season ticket holders that weren't going to get playoff tickets. Were you? Was your family holding season tickets back then? We were uh, section one seventeen, row J, seat oh, seven and nice. eight. Nice. Okay. So I grew we up were behind, in eighteen. That was so my behind the Maverick bench, yeah. right? And that put us on the I don't remember specifically but on the second or third to last row from the top of Moody Coliseum. Wow. So we got in. Yeah. We were at about mid-court and when uh Fox uh Sports Southwest did the documentary not a couple years back, they sh- the camera angles were opposite side of where I was. Mm. So it was this really amazing thing for me because I have concrete memories from my vantage point because it was such a special thing. And then the camera angles were at the opposite end. So I just had all these flood of memories. So I would like, when you guys do the Moody Madness game, I would like to just give an eyewitness account. Oh, dude, absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Okay. Don't make promises he can't keep. Oh, dude, you know I'm I'm here. I'm going to be hitting you up. I'm here, dog. Okay. And while we're, hey, while we're promoting podcast, I'm launching a podcast here in a couple weeks. Oh, no. You have talked about that to me. I don't remember if you talked about it on air. I think we mentioned it on the podcast because a couple people hit me up on the Twitters. Okay. So we're a couple weeks away. I've got a name for it. Actually, uh, Big, Adam over in uh, who works for the Mavericks is going to come up with a nice logo for it. Nice. But uh, it's an in-depth critical analysis podcast of things like movies and uh, music and events and trends and things like that. So it'll be my nerdy version of NPR that I can't do on the Ben and Skin show because everyone would tune out. How can, are you just going to promote it on Twitter? I'll promote it on Twitter and I might even ask the Dallas Mavs to launch the first one with me. Dude. Like maybe you guys could blast it out. Yeah, absolutely. But I'm very excited. As long as it's not like about the Spurs. No, 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 never. Okay. Unless it was a podcast about the Spurs loving Dirk, which we're about to get into. All right. But uh, but yeah, it'll, uh, it'll, and I'll have all kinds a guess. Heck, I might even see if Carlisle will do a podcast with me about playing piano. It's gonna, it's gonna be fun. Or We're playing d- table tennis. Or table tennis. Or even ping pong. Or ping. Well, don't say ping pong yeah. around him. Yeah. Well, you should and record his reaction. Yeah. Uh, uh, so let's talk Dirk. Yeah. Oh, let's talk Dirk. Okay. So today's Thursday. We are a little more than one week removed from the greatest man to ever walk this earth, who's still alive, by the way. Uh, I didn't know. The way I've been <laughs> reading things, I wasn't yeah, sure if he was still he, with he's us. He's still kicking, man. He's living his best life. If you saw him at the Stars game I the did. other day, full beard. Yeah. That dude is in summer mode. Um, he hung him up. I was not I, – I, I don't even know where to begin. Obviously, he's amazing, and I cried basically all day on Tuesday and yeah. Wednesday and Thursday. And ever since then, it's been very – I'm a little tender. Uh, but I still – I'm in disbelief that he announced it on Tuesday. I guess that's that's kind of I don't even know where I want to start. I don't want to really start there, but like that was my prevailing thing. I was so shocked that he announced it. I think uh, that's a great place to start because I think that took something that was incredibly special and made it extra special. Yeah, Um, I almost feel like that was Dirk's gift to the fans in a lot of ways. Like, I don't know that he, maybe he did, but I don't know that he thought that, hey, I'm going to do this for them. But that was like, that was, all those moments were great, but that was the most special moment for me 
uh, personally. And I, I told this story on the postgame show, but I was standing there watching all that with uh, Harp and Followell. We didn't leave our broadcast position. And I uh, just hold Derek Harper in the highest regard. I'm sure I've told you this. He was my favorite player growing up. Like, I love, love, love Harp. Mm. And then uh, usually when you meet your heroes, that's a bad thing. Not with him. Dude, he's the nicest guy. He's great. And and I uh, I can I consider him a really good friend. Not that I'm, like, hanging out at his place or anything. But, like, this year, a couple months ago, you know, I don't know, six weeks ago, I had a problem. And I called him for his advice on it because I knew that he would give me a thoughtful answer and I really look up to him. Right. So uh, this is that's been one of the best parts of the job for me is just getting to become friends with Harp, someone that I've always looked up to and admired. And so one of the real special things for me personally was that thing was this big Dirk celebration and uh, and we're honoring Dirk. But if you are a basketball person. You know, like, let's say you're not a Maverick fan, but you're just a basketball person. That was really special. That was a celebration of the game. That was a celebration of the game because the people that were up there, and then we all know how Dirk goes about his business, they're all about basketball, and basketball means a lot. And basketball means a lot to Harp. Like, we'll just be in casual conversation. He'll say things like, man, can, can you just fathom where this ball has taken you? And he, it's taken him to way greater places than I could even imagine. But my life has been so enhanced by basketball, and I'm, and I've had so many good things happen for me and my family because of basketball. So it's, it's very important to me. And Harp is that on, you know, steroids, right? It's just like amazing where it's taken him and the things he's been able to do. And one of the things I appreciate appreciate about him, which I think Dirk has these same qualities, is being respectful of that. And having reverence for that. And there's a lot of guys that take broadcast jobs that are like, well, I just, I'm, I played the game, so I get this, right? This is mine. Harp doesn't look at it that way. Harp looks at it as a responsibility, and he's blessed to have that responsibility, and he takes it seriously, and, and all those things that you would want. And so as those guys are coming out, and then, you know, there's that incredible moment. And then they hand the mic to each one. My favorite moment. Harp is blown away by it. Like, it's not just Dirk is blown away by it. Harp, we're all blown away by it. But this guy I'm standing next to played in the finals. And not only that, was the single best player in game seven of the finals when the Knicks lost it. His teammates wilted. He did not. He got off in that game. He was trying to win a damn championship. So they, my favorite part is they handed the mic to Larry Bird. And Harp just really just kind of out loud goes, Larry effing legend. <laughs> you know, just like, wow. And yeah. he played against him. Yeah. Like, think about that. Like, they're competitors, but that's the respect that he has for the game. And so that just, like, was extra special for me. You know, that's like, that just gave it this whole extra layer of, man, I'm really coming full circle here on this math thing. Here's my hero to my left. Here's my hero of the last 20 years in front of me. And we're all just celebrating. And all of them are his heroes. Yeah. You know? I mean, it's. can I tell you something about those five guys? Absolutely. So uh, I was, I knew a little bit. That I knew that they were going to be there. Right. I, I knew kind of what was going to happen. And we obviously had to keep it a secret because Dirk did not know. And he did not know a single thing. Like, that's he, so great. He didn't know that the video that we played of him talking about those guys was even for the game. He thought it was for Nike. Right. Like, he had no idea. But the, the plan was not for those guys to talk. They were not, like, instructed to prepare a speech. Like, they were just going to stand on the floor. Wow. And just say hello to him. So that was impromptu? That was impromptu. So was that Rick that... Like, I'm trying to remember. Rick, Rick, Rick handed the it. mic to Chuck and just basically 
It was one after the other. They just had to come up with things to say, and every single one of them said something awesome. And that's why Rick is one of the best in-game adjustment coaches <laughs> in all of basketball. I mean, you knew that Chuck was going to say something funny, but yeah. I mean, for them to all be put on the spot after a night where they were obviously enjoying themselves a little bit and, yep. you know, I, I, overcome, I'm sure, with emotion, even they are, just seeing how emotional Dirk was to see them to be put on the spot okay. in front of this night where... If you screw up, it's going to be really, I mean, it's going to be bad. It's like a, a Cornbluth described it like a moon landing. All right. You know? Yeah, that was great. I, wanna, I want to uh, say something about that because yep. some people might not reala realize this, but I've been in this situation a million times, so I understand it. If you have several people that all have to talk about the same topic, it's very difficult for the third guy and the fourth guy and the fifth guy to say something that hasn't been said. They all said something different. They all different. said something different and special on the spot. Yep. That's amazing. Yep. Like a lot of times you'll see on these talk shows or whatever, uh, pre and post sh shows, whatever, a lot of these things are planned out because it's so because I do talk radio and I have a history of doing improvisational stuff, I always let other people go first because I can come up with something, you know, and if you don't have a history of doing that, it can be very difficult. They don't. All five of those guys are the first guy to talk yes. everywhere they go because yes. they're freaking Hall of Famers. So I loved what Chuck did. I love what Scotty did. And as you told me that, and I didn't know that, I'm sitting there going, man, what Larry, uh, Sean Kemp, and Detlef Shrimp came up with is all extra special. Yeah. I mean, they were not they were not instructed to speak. They The plan was for them to just say hello to Dirk and basically just let him kind of take in the moment and then so they leave. So do you know, Did uh, who knew that Dirk was going to announce that? Do you know? That he was going to say that I'm done? Yeah. Nobody. We asked, uh, we had Cuban on the air and he kind of answered it in a way where it was like, well, I kind of, he didn't say it, but I kind of knew because he got shot up in his ankles to even play those final two games. Yeah. Uh, which I'm, I wouldn't be comfortable saying that, but Cuban said it on our show, so I'm comfortable saying <laughs> Dude, it Dude, I'm sure that he probably got shot up before about 50 of those games. Yeah, just to get through it. Yeah. Uh, but that, that was – I don't know if he was – I don't know when he decided he was going to do that. You know, I'm That's what I was going to ask you. Like, did, do you I'm think whenever he, was, whenever he pulled into the garage, do you think that he thought, I'm going to say it tonight? I, I mean, think he knew a couple days before – but I don't know. I don't know when he decided he was going to. I want to yeah, find I mean, that he out. Knew that it was, he knew that was it. Yeah, he, he knew that was it. But when did he decide that he's going to share that information? It may have just know? happened right there. I think it might have. I think just in that moment with your heroes right there and after Rick said some beautiful words about him and the crowd is there. I mean, it's just it was kind of it's so easy to get like swept up into how magical that moment was. I think it was just kind of like he like you said, he kind of owed it to us and to them and to the game and just that was kind of his that was his time okay you know? that made Wednesday way more difficult yeah in did. my opinion it did and I think it made the tribute video like way maybe even for him more difficult I don't know I think he probably would have been overcome by emotion regardless but having after let everybody know yeah uh but that that all did make it made that tribute video mean something a little different yes I mean thank you Dirk everybody said thank you Dirk but 12 hours after you say this is right it. you know i right. mean that's that's incredible yeah uh it, it's so so good and that was i was really happy that we weren't broadcasting after that we went to break because i would not have been able 
Yeah. <laughs> was, yeah. Dude, it was it was tough. I mean, the thing about it, and this is weird. Again, it's the guy's still alive, but like there was such like a sense of kind of like peaceful finality and closure after Tuesday. I yep. was expecting Wednesday to just be kind of like a cakewalk, you yeah. know. And then that video played, and it was kind of like, well, that's it. But I mean, I remember even before the game, I saw you on the floor. But whenever whenever Dirk came out, and whenever he was like signing some autographs and shooting some free throws, like he kind of had like, some. A twinkle in his eye. Like, okay. I mean, he was kind of getting misty just like t- coming on the floor. And I was like, Jesus. You know, I'm going to pull the curtain back. Okay. Okay. Uh, so the PR department for the, for the Mavs, Sarah Melton, Scott Tomlin, and the great, great Alan. I, he used to tie my ties for me. Uh, <laughs> just a great man. Alan, take it to the Rack City, Rakowski. Yeah. Um, and I've, I, have you ever met his parents? No. His parents come in from time to time. They're Denver people. They're yeah. Colorado people. They're really good people. Every time we've ever been to Denver, it's always been recently snowing, and so the weather's like oh, not right, good. Right. Yeah. Uh, but anyways, they're in constant communication with the broadcast crew because there's a lot of machinations going on and things that they need to be aligned with. And so uh, I knew on, I think I knew on Tuesday, or maybe it was Wednesday morning, that... Uh, we were going to get a walk-off interview with Dirk, win or lose. Because um, usually... Good uh, luck preparing for that, too, man. I yeah. Mean, I don't know how you pulled it off, but it was great. Well, uh, I, I, I want to say something about that in a second. Um, but uh, so what we found out at halftime... So I'd, I'd been like... And I actually I had a couple things. I was like, I think I'm going to ask him this. And I got to see how the game goes, but no one cares about the game. And then I asked Followell his opinion because uh, he's really great in those situations. And so, but anyways, at halftime, we got a text message from one of the Mavs PR people saying, hey, just to let you know, Dirk has really been struggling with whether he wants to do the interview today, not because, but just from the emotional standpoint, he doesn't want to stand there and cry in front of everybody, which I totally get. Yeah. Right. So will he be able to articulate his thoughts in that moment? But as of now, we're going to go for it. But what uh, they were really telling us was, hey, don't be mad if we have to cancel this. And so our take was, dude, of course we wouldn't, you know. And they're just being nice because they know that we have to make plans. Mm-hmm. And it happens on the fly. It's, it was, they, don't, they don't even have to do that. They're being considerate and cognizant of what our broadcast issues are. Because if I'm going to do a walk-off interview, i got to set my headset down with about two minutes to go mm. and be in position for it to happen. If we're not going to do a walk-off interview, I stay and do the broadcast, right? So I go over and stand under the basket with about four minutes to go or something like that. And I actually jump on. Usually I'll stay out, but Keeney, our uh, producer, was in my headset going, hey, if you want to jump in, jump in. So I'm standing under the basket that the Spurs are shooting on right under it, right on the baseline, watching this all unfold, right? And so thinking, you know, okay, got to be ready, got to be ready, but we may get, may not happen, whatever. So the moment happens where Dirk hits his final shot, and then the timeout is called. And I am standing there watching his reaction, and I'm watching him go down the bench, and I'm going, oh, dude, it's on. We're doing an interview. It was such a joyful moment. It was joyous, moment, yes. You, know? you nailed it. And, and that's, you know, if there wasn't, and you know that thing Dirk does, it's so great. He did it, people have seen it, he does it in the video with Luca when they're doing the the guessing game uh, where, you know, one guy has a headset on yeah. 
And so when they would get one right, Dirk would go, ha! Yeah, that's you know that's doing that he does, with everybody. He does that. So he was going down the bench going, ha! And then like an old Oakland A's bash brother thing. Yeah. I was like, dude, he is going to deliver the gold. Yeah. He's going to deliver the gold. And so that's when I knew, okay, it is happening. Mm. Uh, but it was, it was kind of touch and go because I was like, dude, if he's overcome with emotion, can you imagine if he had to speak right after seeing the video? Yeah, I mean, it wouldn't have happened. It but I happened. think in part, maybe the video kind of, that was his chance to just let it all out, you know? Yeah. I mean, because right. it hit him pretty hard. And I think after that, it's like, okay, this is it's basketball now. And then his you second know? half was so good. He was so good. Dude, man. he dropped 30 in his fi- second to last game and then had 20 and 10. The next night. I think that was his only double-double of the year. Was it really? I believe so. Oh, my God. I'm so, I, I could be wrong on that, but I think that's the case. So he became the oldest person with a 30-point game, and then he became the first guy age 40 or older since Dikembe to have a points-rebounds double-double. Wow. And the last and guy with the, with the double-double of any kind at 40 was Steve Nash. So that's so great. Yeah. So the only guy that uh, the only other guy that's dropped thirty after forty is Jordan, who did it four times. Yeah. It's Jordan but and Jordan Dirk. was barely forty. Mm-hmm. Dirk is right. like almost forty one. Right. Right. You know? Right. Uh, yeah, man. I think uh, and and the way that Dirk described it after Tuesday, and obviously Tuesday was extremely emotional, but the way he described it in the press conference afterward, and then all throughout Wednesday, and even into his exit interview Thursday, was like, this is just a, a re- it's a sense of relief. You know, it's yeah. just this tidal wave of like peace that's washed over him right. i'm sure the the question hanging over his head and obviously the pain in his foot and all this stuff it's like the all of those struggles are just gone once you just once you say and once you just accept like this is it mm-hmm. you know you can just enjoy it and, and I think enjoy his family yeah and that's what he on wednesday during the game i mean that's the only reason he's still playing to begin with is because he loves basketball so much right and so for the for all of the annoying stuff to just be out of the way he never has to answer another retirement question again he never right. has to watch another tribute video again like, right. he can just go out there and, and shoot jumpers yeah like that's all that there was left and that's all that he ever cared about anyway so i think that's why he just enjoyed wednesday so much is because it was just all it was all the good stuff you know yeah no and, more and bad yeah what, what was uh what was third and uh, we should maybe even get into you know you you guys all driving down and come but what was thursday like for you thursday uh it was a Okay, so <laughs> Thursday was kind of funny. That was the exit interview day. So the, the Mavs' last game was on Wednesday, and we were in San Antonio, and I drove down with Lizelle and a couple riders uh, on Wednesday morning, or Wednesday afternoon. We went right to the arena, uh, stayed for the game, and then after the game we we went back home, got home at like 3 in the morning. Oh, wow. Did you then, guys rotate drivers? No, I did. The whole, I, I, get oh, real, I get real car sick. I get real dog, car sick. look yeah. at you. It took uh, at about like 1 in the morning – we were in Pflugerville, and I was, like, starting to get overpasses confused with clouds. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I need to get me a coffee. Right, so so right. we pulled over, but it, it was all good. I mean, I, I don't mind driving. But uh, So Thursday, woke up in a haze, and I was under the impression that Dirk was not going to do an exit interview because he had just done two in a row. Right. I mean, Tuesday night was about the longest postgamer you'll ever see. Right. And he did it again on Wednesday. And so uh, I was thinking, oh, yeah, this is it. But then, of course, Dirk talked. And that was whenever he was just, like, so relaxed, yeah. you know, because he was like, this is, this is the last time he ever has to answer these stupid questions for right. us. So, like, you know, he was so, so peaceful. And then uh, after all of that, 
Mike had kind of organized for me, him, Lizelle, and then Jonathan Lim, who uh, makes videos. The guy's a beast. Uh, to go to Nick and Sam's for and oh cool no, like we'd never I'd never been wait like, on Thursday night on Thursday night oh did yeah. you you didn't know <laughs> no I did not okay know. so uh, the plan was for <laughs> us and this was like three weeks ago yeah 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 know? so this was not like a a response to anything so right right we were gonna go to Nick and Sam's and the four of us were gonna you know get a bottle of wine and right. just you know have fun so we're there uh, I take an Uber. Or a lift or whatever, whatever, whatever company sponsors the maps. That's what I took. <laughs> <laughs> and so the driver pulls up and uh, gets there from like this weird way to where we come around the back, and I oh, see yeah. these forty-one twenty-one one signs in the parking lot. Right. And in the back seat, I was like, "Oh crap!" Because <laughs> I mean, the the whole team was there. Right. Dirk was having a thing at Nick and Sam's that yeah. night, and so we walked. It was. In. It, it was like, from what I understand, it's like sixty people. It was, it was intimate. There were a lot of people. I well, mean, well, it was a I'm lot saying, of people, but it was not. It was yeah. like it was a big thing, but it was like only people that matter to Dirk. Right, right, right. It was not like a, hey, they see us there, they're going to invite us back to right, right, get, right. To get Liddy. You yeah, know, this because was, it, this it, was, was, it was, there was a certain number of seats, it was in that back room, yeah. and I know that there was a lot of uh, thought put into who would be there and why. Oh, yeah, for why. sure. And yeah. who's sitting where. I mean, right. yeah, because I, I know a couple, everybody knows people, but I know a couple of Dirks, and we were talking about that because they came to go to the bathroom, and in, in Nick and Sam's, there's no restroom in the back room, which is weird. Oh, So wow. if you're back there and you want to, you need you to come go, out. Yeah. you got to go into the main room. So right. the four of us are sitting there, and uh, I had already told them about the signs. We're thinking like, oh, God, like we're going to see Rick, and it's going to be real awkward. But the first person we see is Scott Tomlin. Oh, okay. So we're like, what's up, Scooter? <laughs> and then like we saw Jamal Mosley. We yeah. saw Powell and Devin and, you know, a bunch of people. And everyone's coming in because, you know, you go to Nick and Sam's, you're there for like two or three hours. Right. The only person we didn't see come in was Dirk. <laughs> so like, dude, that guy's a beast. Because <laughs> I know he's in there drinking wine. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so that was that was pretty funny. So we kind of we kind of celebrated the end of Dirk's career yeah. with him. Yeah. You know, we were we were almost there. So that's pretty awesome. But uh, yeah, so that that was pretty cool. But yeah, I mean, Thursday was like Tuesday was tough. Tuesday was very difficult. Yeah. Wednesday was like emotionally kind of draining but also physically draining and then thursday was just like relief and i think everybody kind of feels that way now too like yeah tuesday was the best and the worst day ever Uh uh-huh and then every day since then has just gotten a little a little easier i've had like so for me thursday you know i was off the air wednesday from the radio show and uh i called in for a segment but thursday you know flew back thursday no flew back wednesday night uh, got up, had this meeting thing, and then we went to do our show in McKinney, not far from where I live. And, uh, you know, so we, I, I told a lot of Dirk stories from the last 36 hours because, you know, I was on the bus with him and on the plane with him, and there was this Holger thing going on. So I had a lot of stories, right? So we yep. just, guilty as charged with the stories. So I just emptied all these stories, and uh, and at the end of the show, I was kind of exhausted, you know, like, just mentally fatigued, I would say, uh, from just having to keep going through all that. Yep. You know, we had to talk about how much he means and all this. And I'd sent a text to my wife, and I, th- I thought this was particularly insightful. I sent a text to my wife, and I was like, hey, how you feeling? I'm kind of feeling empty right now. And she was like, yeah, you know, it's sad, but think about how amazing it is, how much time he now gets to spend with his family. And I was like, boom, you know, that's Jessica's perspective, yeah. right? And Dirk's perspective, too. Dirk is totally family guy, Yeah, you know? 
So yeah. this is this. I mean, I know we're all sad and we look at all these different ways, but this is really freaking awesome for him, dude. It is, and he gets to do so much. I mean, like he loves basketball and he loves competing, and he'll tell you that every time you ask him about it. But like the dude does so much charity work, yeah. so much stuff in the community. Right. He goes to his kid's school whenever he can and just like plays with them, just like he's any other dad. Like Dirk is just a guy. Right. And he even says that. It, and ironically, in a movie about his life that he didn't even want to have made, <laughs> the last words in it is like, I'm just a guy that can put a ball through a hoop. Like, I'm nothing special. I'm right. just a person. That's kind of what makes him special is it his is. perspective on life. Yeah. I mean, he's he's so self-aware. I mean, to a fault. Like, yeah. He knows that he's... I mean, he's very important, but he knows that he's not. I think know? he's uncomfortable with his import because yeah. he just, you know, that's... Those are... He's... And I've I've thought about this a lot. Like... Why is he like he is versus other players? And I've gotten into all this thinking about uh, European values versus straight capitalistic values, especially when so many players come from nothing, mm. uh, you know, here in America in terms of like what their background is, uh, what their family's background is, you know, how they grew up and all these things. And Dirk's upbringing is almost like, you know, not to stereotype people, but I'm a big fan of the sensibilities of the northern Midwesterners. Like, I've met so many great people from Wisconsin and Indiana and, and Iowa. How about Detroit, Michigan skin? Michigan. Yeah. Illinois. You know, Big Ten people. Yeah. But, like, you know, there's areas up there that are suburban. There's areas that are rural. Like, me, me and Ben have gotten, KT and, and Ship, you've gotten to know Travis Frederick really well. And he's from a small Wisconsin area mm. and like his values and the way he talks about things. I just think that those are some of the best representation of what, you know, we kind of envision what America should be in these things in the way that they view their community, their neighbors, people in general. And I feel like Würzburg is kind of that in a lot of ways. And so I feel like when I meet these athletes that are able to, the great phrase that Popovich uses is we want people that have gotten over themselves. Yeah. And I'm not like in any way saying anything disparaging about a guy who wants to maximize his brand and make as much money as he can. That's all great. And that's in a lot of ways, the American way as well, but it's totally counter to being a part of a team mm. and making sacrifices for a team. That's getting all you can for yourself. And Hey, there's, there's American values in that too, but I've always been attracted to, man, I've got it really good. Other people can have stuff too. I want to be a part of this thing and I want this thing to be special. And it's, it's, I think it's difficult in the NBA for guys to be willing to do that. Yeah. San Antonio finds those guys. I think the Mavericks do a pretty good job of finding those guys. You can't always just be those guys, but it helps when your lead guy is the embodiment of that. San Antonio had it with Tim Duncan and Pop. The Mavericks certainly have it with had it with Dirk. Mm. I don't know what the next phase of Maverick basketball is. I feel like it's going to be really fun to watch and really great. But Dirk is wholly unique in that way. There's just very few people in not just sports, but American celebrity in the realm of pop culture that hold those values and stick to those values and exhibit those values over two decades. Yeah. That's not real. When they are, I mean, at times in their career, the very best at what they do yes. in their field. The I mean, ability there was to nobody better than Dirk for a few years. Right. Best I mean, player he, in the he NBA. He was the best player in the NBA. It's so easy to be a douchebag when you're that person in your yeah. 20s. It's or just so like easy. not e not even intentionally, just like right. be unintentionally not cool, yes. you know, and just not the best person. Like, right. I, I mean, I don't want to name names, but like LeBron, great, great human being, 
but there are some downsides, you sure. know, to, to being his teammate. I but mean, I it's think just, there's also kind of and, and, and I don't I don't take that as a shot at him because I think that's also the byproduct of a person that has that much power quote-unquote, maximizing the potential of their individual brand. Yeah, for sure. But, I mean, it's also just he's he's that good and he knows it. Yeah. You know, and there's right. nothing – he's won a million championships and a million MVPs, and he is one of the best players, probably the the best player that I've seen his entire career of. Right. You know, like, I don't remember Jordan. He's amazing. Right. But he's better than Dirk, but he's not Dirk. Right. You know, I think Pop said it the best, that there's no next Michael, there's no next Kobe, and there's no next Dirk. Yep. Like there will never be another Dirk. No. Luca and Porzingis together, maybe they'll win two championships or more. Maybe Luca will make thirteen All NBA teams or fifteen All Star games. Maybe he'll win MVP two times, but like they'll never be Dirk. They can't, and I'll I'll never be able to really fully articulate this because I was around for the tail end of it. But to me, the two most important sports figures in the history of this town are Dirk and Roger Staubach. And I was old enough to remember the 1978 Super Bowl where the Cowboys beat the Broncos. I think Tony Dorsett was a rookie or it was his second year. He might have been a rookie. But that's Staubach. That's my first sports memories are Staubach, right? And look at what he's been in this community. Like he's not from here, but he came here, was special here, and he turned into this real estate mogul but he's a good person he does charity he's maintained his values everybody loves roger and i feel like dirk is that like i love i love uh troy aikman he's amazing the triplets were amazing but to me aikman can never be staubach just because you, there can only be that first thing right and aikman is great aikman's a grand dude he's a great person he is he's a great person we were at a, a charity thing last night that Samir, we're talking about Nick and Sam. Samir from Nick and Sam's invited me and Ben and Sean to, and um, and there was a dinner and it was dinner with the triplets and it went for like forty thousand dollars to have dinner man. with the triplets, yeah. right? But and by the way, Emmett and Michael Irvin, both very, 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 very good people too. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, and I, the thing I like about Michael is that he embraces his faults. Yeah, you know, and and I, I like I like that a lot about him. Because, uh, man, he's a wild dude. Um, <laughs> no offense to Emmett, but his wife is way cooler than he is. Yeah. She's awesome. Yeah. Do you know her story? Uh, she was on a show? She Well, she was former Miss West Virginia. Okay. And actually, her first marriage was with Martin Lawrence, the very famous comedian, actor. Uh, but she's so classy and she, so did, cool. She hosted, actually, a show. So I was interning at D Magazine for a while, mm-hmm. and they had a TV station yes. for a minute there. It was like Good Morning Texas or something. Yeah, she, she and it was like four show. ladies yeah, from different yeah, backgrounds yeah. talking it Yeah, up. we went and filmed and met all of them, and it was, yeah. it was yeah, she's Dude, great. She's incredible. Yeah. She's so great. And that's and I'm saying that, saying that I love him, and I think he's incredible. Yeah. She's awesome, triple awesome. Yeah, I mean, there's good people. We're spoiled, basically, is what you're yeah. saying. All, so, most of our legendary sports figureheads in this town are really good people yeah and i don't i'm Derek not Harper. i'm Bro. not oh my god and 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 harp will be the first guy to tell you i ain't dirk yeah you know dirk is just exist on this on this different level so uh and, you know i just i think that those two stand out in a way that and i think you know you could throw you know michael young in there from a character standpoint and, and mike madonna those are great people but it's just a little bit different with football always here, and then it's just a little bit. Maybe it's just different for me because I'm a basketball guy, but mm-hmm. I just felt like uh, the specialness between Dirk and this community just can't really be duplicated. Yeah. I mean, there's just something eminently relatable, not only because 
Like you can't tell the story of his career without talking about failure and right. humans fail. Like right. we all fail. He's not bulletproof and he'll tell you that. But also I think and this might be getting way too deep about it, but like Dallas as a city doesn't really have much of an identity. Honestly, it's a city mm. of transplants. I no, mean, no, no, no. You're dead on. Do you know what their identity used to be? Uh, I don't know. The Kennedy money. assassination. Yeah, I mean, yeah, the city of hate. You the know? Cowboys The Cowboys were viewed at... The reason people embrace the Cowboys is because, well, it's football, but they wanted to wash away the president being killed here. Yeah, and, and that's, that's what Dallas was. Yes. It was just a bunch of Southern angry people that killed JFK. Pretty much. And... Uh, in the 80s, a lot of people moved here from the Midwest, including my family, mm-hmm. and settled down roots that were not Texans, that were not from here, that right. don't really uh, identify with Southern culture or anything and mm-hmm. kind of change the city. And we all sort of melted together, and Dallas became this mini, mini America, yeah. you know, whereas this melting pot of people from all over the place. And so I think we are particularly uh, sensitive and willing to embrace people that aren't from here either mm-hmm. and succeed. And Dirk came from about as far away as you can right? and is now one of us. And so our identity is kind of tied to Dirk and what better person to tie it to than to him and yeah. to Staubach and to all of these other sports greats and uh, people that, I don't know, they excel at their job, but they also excel you know, off the floor, off yeah. the field. The, 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 I, it's interesting, too, because Dallas, to me, is so different than Fort Worth. Mm. And I feel like Fort Worth is way more Texas, or yeah. how I feel like, the, what, what I don't even mean in a stereotypical way, but the embodiment of Texas. And Dallas is more like, hey, we're Diet LA, or what, you yeah. know what I'm saying? I mean, because that's of what the, Dallas yeah. feels like sometimes. They try like, to be... Or, everything is so new, and whenever it's so new and so clean and so sterile, it just doesn't have a... There's no sense of self, right. you know. Everything is different every time you come here. And there's an aspiration to be flashy. Yeah. To be things that don't have as much substance. Fort Worth to me is all substance. Yeah. And hey, if you're from Dallas and you're upset, I've lived here my whole life. You Dude, know? I love Dallas. Yeah. There's there's maybe three or four places I would move to. It's I, the, I mean, Dallas is so much better than everywhere else. There's so many people that have no ties to here that move here, like uh, ex-athletes. Tremaine O'Neal lives here. Yep. Uh, Tory Hunter lives here. You can go on and on. Th- those guys didn't play here, mm-hmm. but those guys are like, hey, what a great community. I'm going to raise great. my family Dallas there. rules. Yeah. It's awesome. It's awesome. And I think part of what makes it great is you can come here from anywhere and fit in. Yeah. And that is... I mean that's Dirk's story. Okay, so you 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 and I are both beer drinkers. Uh, yeah, and we love the craft beer scene. Yeah, there was a great article in D Magazine since you brought up D Magazine that Tim Rogers, who is a pretty solid pickup basketball player in his really? own right. Yeah. Wow, okay. Tim used to hoop with Cuban. Really? Yes. Uh, Tim is a great writer, and you know I'm probably getting his title wrong, but he's uh the, he's the editor. He's the head editor. Yeah. yeah. Um, but anyways, he did a great article on Michael Petacolis. Petacolis is my favorite local brewery for a lot of reasons, not just the taste of the beer, but a lot mm. of things that go into it. Go Google the article. came out two weeks ago on Michael Petacolis. I saw you tweet about it. He, he, I met that guy actually a few years ago. He's a really nice guy. He's an awesome dude. One of my friends was in, they were right out of college, and they were trying to do this thing where they basically, I don't know, tell stories about entrepreneurs, local uh-huh. entrepreneurs. And we're like three 23-year-olds, and he just let us come to the brewery for like two hours and interview him. It was he's the coolest awesome. thing. I mean, he's just su- such a good guy. So one of the great guys over at Pedicolis Brewery is a guy named Mike Finley. Hey. I swear. Uh, he grew up here. He went Moon to... Moonlighting uh, as, a, <laughs> as a craft beer guy. Okay. No, Mike actually went to... I think he played college football, but he actually went to... Um, uh, the Performing Arts Center, a Booker T. Okay, yep. So he's a musician and an athlete and all these things. But he had got he had a market. He was telling me the story. He had a marketing job and got real into craft beer and really liked Petacolis. 
And so he, he was in between jobs. And so somehow he got in touch with Michael Petacolis and they were talking about beer and marketing and they stayed on the phone for like an hour. And then he's just having this conversation and I'm probably butchering the story, but at the end of it, uh, uh, Michael Petacola says to Mike Finley, he's like, so are you coming in on Monday? You know, <laughs> nice. and that was, that was awesome. his, yeah. Awesome. And so, uh, you know, there's like 20 something people that work there and none of them want to leave. Yeah. That's the kind of small business you want to run. But the reason I'm bringing all this up is that in that article, he references that Dallas doesn't have a soul. Mm. And there's a lot to that. And in a lot of ways, as I look at it, you know, it's funny, like if you're not from here and you're not a Mav fanboy and you listen to the two of us sit here and say Dirk is the identity of Dallas, you're probably throwing up. Yeah. But like if you don't live here, you probably can't get it. Like it probably sounds ridiculous to you. But I, I have been thinking over the last two weeks, what is the soul of Dallas or what could it be? And I, I don't know that I've ever really thought about that, but in a lot of ways, you know, Dirk and and the spirit of what that is that sort of should be the soul of dallas it is i mean dirk really kind of a and again i'm not we trying to make this guy into don't we? <laughs> this guy is not a superhero right. he's not he's not immortal or anything but like he kind of represents the american dream dude he came here from a faraway place yep. planted his roots came up had an unbelievable career and is now Work willing ethic. to give back and help everybody out that he ever yes. meets including you and including me yeah he's just the best person <laughs> the best person ever <laughs> i don't know what to, i don't know what else to say man oh he, my God. he's the greatest i mean there and and i don't care if dallas does have an identity maybe you're sitting there and you muted us you're gonna give us a one-star rating because you hate us but like i'm more than willing to trade whatever you think the identity is of this city for whatever dirk thinks it is so, like okay. i will i will die on the dirk hill so then what's gonna happen is uh we're gonna have this dirk statue out there what do you, I mean, obviously, it's the one-legged fade. Yeah. Or should there be a Dirk statue at every entrance? <laughs> we were talking about this on the Ben and Skin show, because I like the real iconic picture where he's holding up the German three. Yeah. And it's, you know. Or, I mean, the fist pump in San Antonio. Yes. I mean, oh with, my God, the, with the snarl. So why wouldn't we have four statues? One on the east, north, south, and west. Uh, I mean, I hope that the statue is amazing, but also, I, I don't want to be like a buzzkill, but... Isn't a statue kind of like go no. against what he... No. Do you know what goes against what he is is that thing on Tuesday night. Yeah. And it was one of the best nights of your life. It was. You have to force these things on Dirk. Yeah. And then once the, my understanding of this is that once they happen, he greatly appreciates it. Yeah. But it's the anxiety leading up to it of, I don't want to do that. Mm. I mean, you know. That's how he is with everything. Yeah. That's probably how he is with walk-off interviews, it's whether a, or not it's his last game. Right. I mean, he just does not want the attention. He it's, literally wants to like take his ball and go home. It's a very German sensibility. Yeah. Uh, so uh, I'll tell you another funny quick Dirk story. His season high before he dropped 30 Eight. in his final home game was 21 at Golden State. So I was at that game, and it was a Mav Saturday night, so we do walk-off interviews on wins on Mav Saturday night. Normally we don't do them. And so I'm sitting next to uh, Sarah Melton for that game. Yeah. And and Luca's pretty clear early on in that one that they were going to win. Pretty clear, and Luca's having a great game, and Dirk's having a great game, and I'm thinking we're trying to do a big thing here. And if it was TNT, they would interview Clay and Steph, right? Yeah, a couple questions to one and a couple questions to the other. And I go, and I turn to Sarah and I said, "We've never asked this before. Can we do both of them?" And she goes, "Yeah." 
I don't see why not. Because Sarah's very pre- she she helps us a great deal, but she's protective of those guys, you yeah. know, and they get asked of a lot. So she, her, and Scott both try to figure out how do we help our broadcast partners, how do we help the players, how, and they do an amazing. Yeah, if it were up to us, we would get Luca every single every game. game. They do a great job of of trying to manage all that. Because players don't want to do these interviews all the time, man. They just don't want to deal with that crap. Mm. So she agreed. So as it's going on, I'm standing there with Dirk, and he's like, "What?" And then he instead, and then he's noticing. Wait, why am I waiting? What we're getting, Luca? <laughs> so Luca comes walking up, and I haven't started the interview yet. And Dirk goes, "Why are we doing this? We've won like 20 <laughs> games." <laughs> So great. And then he proceeds to give an awesome interview. Oh, yeah. Like he, he's, his, his sense <laughs> of humor is brilliant and it's funny and he always delivers the perfect line. Uh, and then he does what's asked of him and then he goes. Oh, my God. It's like on Media Day at the beginning of this year. We always do this thing on Mavs.com, a live stream where Coop and Followell will just interview basically everybody on the team. Right. Just one by one because Media Day is like a circus. Whoever's there, we grab for five minutes right. and then we send them on their way. And you better get what you need that day. Yeah, because you're not getting anything right. else. And very rarely does Dirk ever enter into that room whenever anyone else is because uh-huh. usually he's wanted everywhere. Right. So ours is the last stop he makes. But this year, for whatever reason, he wanted to knock it out early and then go and not come back. So he walks behind the curtain and I'm like, what's up? And he's you know waiting to get on, but they're talking to Jalen Brunson. And if there's anybody on the team that Dirk is not in the mood to wait for, it's a rookie that they took <laughs> in the second round. So poor Jalen's been on for like 30 seconds. Uh-huh. And I'm like kind of signaling to Coop and follow like, get this guy out of uh-huh. here. And they just keep asking questions. And I Dirk guarantee is you that was a Cooperstein decision. Oh, yeah, for sure, for sure. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah, for sure. Probably talking about your freshman season uh, at Villanova. Right. And Dirk is getting more and more impatient. And by the end of it, he's yelling, let's go, and like <laughs> clapping. It's like, come on. And finally, they get him out of here. And then, of course, he goes on and talks to him for 15 minutes. And I he's mean, great. He's just, he's the best. He's it's, the best. I, uh, that reminded me, I'll tell you a super quick, funny Rick Carlisle story. So uh, I was doing a podcast. This is when I was doing, I um, can't remember what I did this podcast for. This might have been the one I used to do with Followell. I can't remember. But... I asked Sarah if I could pre or do a recording with Rick, and she was like, uh, "Yeah, okay, we'll set it up for tomorrow." And so, you know, you know how Rick can be—he's like he can be kind of prickly or whatever. Yeah. So uh, I call. I go. He goes. Yeah, that's how he answers the phone. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> awesome. "Hey, Coach, uh, thanks awesome. for doing this." Uh, blah 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 blah. I go. Uh, I go. So I'm going to go ahead and set up. We're going to start recording. He goes. How long is this going to take? I go, ah, you know, I'm thinking 20. He goes, 20 minutes? <laughs> and it might have cussed. And I was like, I go, trust me, you're going to love it. It's going to be great. <laughs> I'm just saying that like, oh, crap. Oh, he doesn't hang up on me. So start the podcast. I ask the first question. I'm not joking. 22 minutes later, I asked the second question. Are you serious? Dude, he just, and it was amazing. What was it about? It was about his his coaching like how he got from where he started to where he is now from a coaching perspective yeah hey how do you become a head coach and when do you when are you thinking about this in high school and remember he transferred from when he from uh, his first college to Virginia and all these yep. things so he got going 
and he loves talking about, you know, you know, he loves talking about Chuck Daly and he loves talking about Bill Fitch and he loves talking about those guys. It wasn't, he loved talking about himself. He loved talking about what coaching means and what it meant to him. And so my point is, I don't want to do this. Oh man, I love talking about this. Dude, I'm not kidding. He gave a 22-minute answer. Man, you were lucky to get 30 seconds from him in right. the regular season. And then I think I think he we only did like two more questions after that. Wow, that's amazing. But it did it wasn't necessary. Yeah. Because it was here's the gold. Yeah. Dude, that is awesome. I don't need awesome. to do any talking. Here's the gold. When I was a senior in college, Bill Mercer was calling UTD games. Uh-huh. He was the in arena guy. Yeah, I yeah, don't know yeah. why he's a UNT guy. I don't yeah. know why he does UT Wrestling Dallas, legend. But, yeah, but he just did. And and news legend. I mean, the guy is a legend. Yeah. Bill Mercer is a legend. Yeah. And I was lucky enough to get to call the game with him, which is like the coolest oh, wow. thing ever. Yeah. So cool. But uh, anyway, I wanted to write a feature on him for our newspaper. And I'm sure that people before me had written about him. I'm sure people after me have written about him. But I wanted to write one because, damn it, I'm a sports writer. And yeah. that's Bill Mercer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he said, just come before a game. The game was at like 3.30, and I got there at like 2.15. And I figured that was enough time to talk to him. And so I sit down. We're courtside, and nobody's on the floor. And uh, he says, well, you know, what's up, Bobby? And I say, so how did you get into sports broadcasting? That is lit- – that is – those are the only words I said, <laughs> just like Rick. Literally an hour later, he's done. The right. teams are warming up, and he's like, well, we got to call the game. And yeah. I'm like, I love you. you know? <laughs> it was just amazing. I mean, good? there are some people. I mean, Rick is one of the smartest people ever. He's brilliant. Know? And so if he gets talking, he'll tell you anything. Dirk, same yeah. way. If he gets talking, he'll tell you whatever. Bill, Mer- I mean, there's just some people who are just so much better than us. I know. (laughs) Cower in their, uh, in their shadows. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, and, and to your point about Rick, that's like one of the reasons why I want to do this other podcast thing, because I want to do a podcast with Rick and I don't want to talk about basketball with him. I'm sure he would love that. I want to talk about his musical journey. Yeah. Like, I don't know that there's a lot of people that are going to ask him about Keith Jarrett, but I know he likes Keith Jarrett (laughs) and I have Keith Jarrett records. I'm a nerd. I want to talk about this crap. Yeah. Dude, so, that would be amazing. I'm, I'm, I can't wait to get it going. I really can't. Yeah. Okay, so before you get out of here, I know you have things to do, but I want to run down real quick because I don't know when we're going to talk again. Uh, just a few kind of key notes from exit interviews mm-hmm. and then take a very, very brief look at the Mavs cap situation that okay. is obviously subject to change. Um, unless there's any last words you want to say to Dirk. No, I love you. I love you too, Dirk. Uh, I love you more than skin does. Just get, prove we, it. We, we, well, okay. <laughs> I'll fight you right now. <laughs> what if we killed each other over our love for Dirk? Dirk is like, you bunch of idiots. <laughs> the weirdest podcast <laughs> ending ever. Two guys <laughs> killed each other because they love Dirk. <laughs> uh, that's our tribute. Uh, okay. Exit interview updates. So, uh, for those who are unfamiliar, I guess exit interviews is the last time that the players have to talk to the media. It's always the day after the season ends, whether that's regular season or finals. They just... They go clean out their locker, come talk to us, usually about the, the off-season summer plans, contract, whatever, and then they leave, mm-hmm. and they're gone. Yep. And uh, we don't talk to them again until media day, basically, unless they go to Dirk's Heroes game, which this season is on June 7th. June 7th. We'll be uh, pushing that hard, and I guarantee you Dirk will come on the Ben and Skin show. Dude, He maybe always does. Dirk might come on. Specialty podcast? Numbers on the boards. Oh, let's I do it. should plant the seed. Let's do um, it. Okay, cool. So anyway, June 7th, buy tickets now. Uh so I, I starting from the top, I guess, uh, Sala, Devin, two guys who are in their 30s, two mm-hmm. guys who are about to be free agents. Mm-hmm. Um, they would love to be back, but they understand it's a business. Um, I don't really know how far we can talk about these guys without getting into, like, tampering stuff because yep. they're all free agents. But, like, Sala and Devin, I feel 
like if the Mavs have an empty roster spot, they'll be there. Yeah. So we can talk about Sala and Devin until Ju- July 1st, can't we? Yeah, but I, in like as it relates to contracts and stuff, I don't know. Okay, it's, it's well very, then we won't. It's very touchy. Yeah, I understand. But I mean like Sala... Sala was waived. Down the stretch, dude is good. Yeah, he, um, he was waived and brought back a week later. So it's not yeah. outrageous to think that there's any number of situations where it's like, man, let's get Sala back. Yeah, in and uh, you need big man depth, and uh, you need affordable players. Yes. And Sala is kind of both. And he's he, familiar with the system, friends with Luka. I think Rick respects him a whole lot more now than he did earlier in his career. And no, that's no disrespect to Rick or to Sala either. But, like, Rick kind of challenged Sala, like, if you want to stick around, you got to shoot. And Sala shot the yeah. crap out of the ball. Can I tell you something from his first season with the Mavericks? Yeah. I used to goof around with him, and I'd be like, dude, you need to crank these threes up because he was shooting them in pregame. He goes, you know, and how Sala tells you, he's like, I do that, and I go there. And he pointed <laughs> to the bench. And then think about how full circle that thing came. Yeah. Did you hear Sala's interview with Harp and Followell? I did, man. And it almost, I almost cried. That right? is beauty. It was. That is, we, we sat there. So we were, I was on doing pre and post that day with Dana and said, and we uh, sat there with our jaws hanging open. It was like, it was so oh amazing. Oh my god! I mean, and, and to give kind of some background, like I guess it's really not a secret if you watch the games in person or on TV. Sala and Rick sometimes butt heads. They absolutely and, clash. You know, Rick has a very short leash for Sala. If he makes one mistake, he sits down. And Sala is very upset with that because, and he even said, like on the record. A week before that game, someone asked him, you know, I, I forget who he was, maybe against the Sixers. He had like 16 and 14, had uh-huh. a great game, and right. the Mavs won by 30 or right, whatever. Right, right, right. And someone asked Sala, you know, how difficult is it for you to go like three weeks without playing and then all of a sudden play 30 minutes? And he said, it's not easy at all. It's, it's impossible to stay ready. Like, it, you just can't do it. As a player, you can't get up to play and then not play and then still feel like good about yourself and about like it's tough right. to stay in shape, it's tough to stay like sharp. He knew his exact number during an interview of coach's decision DNPs. Yeah, he I mean, knew it off the top of his he head. He is in last season in Orlando at the very end of the year. Rick put Sala in with like two minutes left in the game, and and Sala kind of like tweaked something and got hurt. And you would have thought his career was over. I mean, he was devastated. Yeah, like they have a very very touchy relationship. Yeah, it's contentious. But, but let's just say that Rick is a guy that can embrace that contention for sure, yeah. and, and make the best out of it. He's always said, like when people would say, uh, you know, hey, uh, what, what does it take for this player to get comfortable? He always says, why would I want him to be comfortable? Yeah, I mean that's kind of his thing. Yeah. Unless you're Dirk, right? Then your job is right. to stay ready, right? Like right, no matter right. who, you, right. you, Even if you're the second man, yeah. And so for Sala to immediately. I mean, he rattled off three or four really, really good games in a row. Yes. And then in that post-game interview, to basically say, someone asked him, it might have been Harp, you know, you're shooting it great, what's going on? And he and he said, well, first, I want to thank Rick. Yep. And it was just like, oh, my God. Yeah. I mean, that's what that's what it's all kind of it's, about, yeah. right? Like, if, if you're that kind of coach who's, you want to, you get in people's heads, you know? Yep. And eventually you br- you break through, yep. you know. And I, I think that Sala showed a lot of, I, I guess, maturity to recognize. And I think he's known all along. That's kind of what Rick does, yeah. You know, and uh, for him to be willing to kind of credit Rick and and also to achieve to achieve what he achieved. I mean, he's yeah. a forty percent three point shooter for like a month. I yeah, mean, the, the guy was good. He he. And I it mean, was I just, can, it was a really beautiful moment. There's very few games he's checked in where he didn't change it. Yeah. You know? Always, dude. Always. Yeah. He, just, he plays hard. Uh, the great Bob Orgel used to talk about, you know, when he coached, he always wanted to have, and I can't remember his exact terminology. In my mind, I've started to call it a catalytic element where 
man, this game sure does suck. Let me change the dynamics of it. Bing! Yeah. You know, Ben used to have this great analogy uh, when talking about Reuben Patterson. He compared him to putting a shark in a fish tank because it it, it brings the aggression level of everybody has to match it. Yeah. And so when you have this thing that's a blast, it's like if you don't match that energy, you're about to get your ass kicked. It's Corey Brewer. I mean, it's just there's there's not many players like that, but – if you want to be good, you need one. Yeah, absolutely. You know? And so I think Sala, if you know, if if it, things work out, I would not be surprised at all to see him back. Devin, if there's a spot, I would not be at all surprised to see. Nope. To see I, him back. And it comes down if there's a spot because Devin was pretty much the last guy we added this year. Yeah, it was. I think it was like in August. Yeah. I mean, it was it was pretty late on, but I that's kind of. And you know what? Maybe there's a team uh, that is very good uh, that thinks you know what we could use a veteran to yep. teach this young kid. Right. And. Uh, we could use a little bit of depth. Maybe they play in California, and maybe they hit up Devin. I don't know. Right. But we'll see. We'll see. Uh, but if Devin wants to play, I think he's going to find a way to play. Absolutely. Um, okay, next, Dorian Finney-Smith. He played, I don't know if you're familiar with this uh, at all, but if he played 2,000-plus minutes, he had a higher cap hold. Uh, his final season total comes in at 1,985. Oh, gee, I wonder if they were monitoring that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, I got to say uh, – it would have been a little more difficult to manage had his lip not swelled up to the size of a human baby. Good point. Uh, he got drilled in the mouth. And honestly, yeah. I felt very bad for him when that too. happened. Because it happened right before Team Photo Day, dude. I, oh, so I his, forgot about that. If you see their Team Photo, he's trying to tuck his lip in. I mean, his lip, like, it required stitches. Yeah. It was a nasty shot to he the mouth that he took. in the chops. And right at the end of the year. And I, I felt really bad for him, but... He's a tough um, guy. Yeah, he is a tough guy. And tough I think, you know him. what, he's that kind of player. He's not afraid to mix it up. He's going to go crash the glass. He takes a lot of shots. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, anyway, so that saves them, I don't know, like a million and a half bucks, which may or may not matter, but that is the way it is. Uh, he's a restricted free agent. So, too, is Maxi Kleba, who was not available for an exit interview, but I don't think that means anything. Nope. I just think that means that he wasn't there. Right. Uh, he and Finney Smith are restricted free agents, which means that any team can offer them a contract, but the Mavericks, if they want, have the right to match it. Yeah. Uh, I In my mind, both of those guys are back. Unless someone comes in and like... Hey, we're going to make you a foundation piece. Here's uh, yep. here's all of our money. Well, that can happen. I don't think it will, but I think both those guys are great fits here. I think they're comfortable here. I think the quote-unquote price will be right. Yep. So I see those guys. I've just proceeded throughout this season going, well, we've got these guys back, even though they are free agents. Yeah. Now, I will say if this was the summer of 2016, I'd be pretty nervous because mm-hmm. that summer – everybody was irresponsible yes i think a lot of teams have learned from that and so this summer whenever a lot of teams are going to have money i think teams are going to be a little more they're they're going to be less likely to overpay for kind of the mid-level level level players and that's again no slight at dorian and maxi they're both really really nice rotation pieces borderline starter players but there's a lot of guys right now that you go and you look at salary cap sheets and go oh and you go oh yeah i remember that summer yeah exactly everybody got paid yeah and then the cap didn't keep growing the way everybody thought it was like oh crap i've over under estimations i think two years in a row now oh wow yeah and so this summer uh i think it's going to go up to 109 i think from 103 so not significant, but big enough to where it helps teams like the Mavs. Mavs will have a lot of cap space. Yeah. Um, and then finally, uh, on your show, I believe, on the Ben and Skin show, which you can find weekdays on 105.3 The Fan, yep. uh, I believe Mark Cuban revealed that the plan is to extend Dwight Powell. How about that? Yeah. Okay, and by the way, that summer of 2016, Dwight Powell got a contract that everybody went, what? And he has outplayed He's that outplayed deal. it. 
And I, hey, I was one of those guys who was like, what? Really? Okay, well, I guess that's the way the market is. Mm -hmm. And then the second year, the first half of the second year of that contract, you were like, oh, dear. And then, dude, he has obliterated that thing. And he's also, aside from what he does on the court, which we've talked about a lot, he's what you want uh, character-wise. He's what you want culture-wise. So he's kind of a no-brainer. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the best answer that he gave in any media session this season was whenever someone asked him what he learned from Dirk. And he just talked about work ethic and how whenever he signed that contract, he got to the gym like three hours early and Dirk was already there. Yeah. And it's like, holy crap. Holy I mean, crap. that's why there's only one Dirk. But yeah. also... The fact that Dwight is that, and Harrison was the same way whenever yeah. he was here too. Yep, those guys that are paid a, a lot, and Dwight is not paid a lot relative to some other players in mm -hmm. this league. But to him, he feels like he's being paid a lot. Yeah, and so he's willing to put in the work to live up to that and really outperform that contract. And good for him. That yeah. is great for him. Uh, the question is, uh, terminology is not always uh, Cuban's strongest uh, suit. I'll uh -huh. say. Uh -huh. So <laughs> extend could mean that Dwight opts in and they add three years to the end, right. or it could mean that he opts out and they give him a three-year contract. Hey, what? Okay, I haven't looked, and you may not know this off the top of your head. If he opts out, what does his cap hold? Uh, so if you opt out and you have the bird rights, which he does, your yes. cap, I believe, is 150% okay, of your so then that I means think that is just totally off the top of my head. So that's going to be a 13.5 to $14 million cap hold. I believe so. Th you know, one of the things that they can do I don't I got I don't know the exact rules, but, you know, he's going to have a date where he either opts in or opts out. Yeah. And one of the things the Mavericks can do, I believe, is extend that date. You can. Yeah. So that his cap number is nine and not 14. Yeah. So half. I think oftentimes those option dates are uh, by default uh, scheduled to be before July 1st, whenever right. the league year restarts. Right. Um, but. I think, I forget who, but somebody like last year, it might have been Wes, they bumped uh, Wesley Matthews' option date to like July 9th or right, something. Right, So at the time, there was a lot of rumors about trades and stuff, but it ended up, obviously nothing so ended up So you could operate at a different yeah. number. Now, yeah. I guarantee you the David Lords of the world, who's a very sharp guy, might go, skin, you moron, you should know better. You can't because of this obscure rule, yeah. but... I used to be way up on that stuff. Now my head is too full. Yeah, crap. And, and now again, I mean, I'm I'm pretty sure because I, I think what the deal is, if you play, uh, if if your salary is below the league average, then it's. Uh, well, I wonder is Dwight's salary right now above the league average? League what's average the, the league is usually average? right around the mid level number. Yeah, right? and he's making like nine or ten. Yeah, so I think th I think his I think it's great how the average salary has yeah. soared. I think it's I think his number was going to be like ten three next yeah, year. Yeah, so I, like I'm sure that's above average. And if it's above the league average, you actually have I think a smaller cap hold. Uh, but if if it's below, you have a, a larger. But anyway, I don't know. I, it doesn't really matter to yeah. me. I'm I'm just a kind of a, a, a dude on the internet. Um, but the number that Fish and David Lord, speaking of, are saying is that if Powell were to opt in and be extended, then it's looking at like thirty-nine to forty million dollars on top of his opt on top of his opt-in because you can't accept an extension at a uh, lower value than your option year. Okay. Like if you're making ten million dollars, you can't be extended at like eight million. I'm assuming that's the Richard Jefferson rule. Uh, I don't know. The Spurs did some pretty questionable stuff did with they? Richard Jefferson. Did they really? I don't remember the exact story, but remember Richard Jefferson was supposed to... I remember... I can't remember the details, but they got him to agree to something and then they extended. So I bet I bet, I bet that's a Is Richard that a Jefferson to that? rule. 
Yeah, I bet. I, and yeah, because I mean, I guess salaries were never like big enough in the past where you could finagle it that much. But now that it is, like, it's pretty I, easy to. Fuck. I would need to go back and read the details on that. See, that's what I'm saying, man. Everything is so foggy and hazy when you damn near hit half a hundred. Yeah, well, it's okay. You you carry it well. I'll I say do that. my best. Damn it. Uh, so finally, all of that stuff is kind of news. And then uh, lastly, all of this is tied to the salary cap, of course. And all eyes are going to be on the Mavs this summer. I think around the league, really, because of Luka and Porzingis yep. and max cap space. Yep. Um, as it stands now, if you're counting the trade exception, they have a $21 million trade exception, which is, I believe is the largest in NBA history. Yes, it is. That means only what you want it to mean. But uh, that exception takes up cap space. If they waive the exception so they can just like say it doesn't exist anymore right. and turn it into cap space and they have max cap space uh they can get up to if they do a couple things like rescind cap holds like for example they'll renounce their rights on dirk because he's about to retire right they'll probably renounce rights on a few other pending free agents because they'll probably come back right for about what they're making anyway right so you can clear a bunch of money that way too so they could get up to close to like 40 or 50 mm-hmm. uh, max is like 38 i think is what a veteran max can make mm-hmm. so the guy who's been in the league over 10 years yeah yeah, yeah. and then if you're under 10 i think your max is like 30 or 31 or yeah something. it's like it's still really high right so they'll be in the conversation obviously for all of those guys at least uh from the outside looking in um if they do not use their trade exception now where it gets interesting and we've talked about this on the podcast before is if they get lucky in the lottery and keep the pick but don't win it so mm-hmm. if it's like between two and four mm-hmm. then that's where you i think you got to start keeping track of uh that trade exception and yeah. adding up some numbers in your head because they have cap space right and they also, as it stands now, um, I think the trade exception pushes them over the cap, but uh-huh. you can trade an exception for a player straight Right, up. right, right. He's got to so, fit into the exception. Yeah, and then if you waive the exception, they actually have the most cap room in the league right now, and you can use that cap room up until July 1st. Right. So there could be draft day stuff, whatever, trades, deals. So uh, this is going to be a wacky offseason, but y- it's tough to predict anything to happen until the lottery because until then we just don't really know like right. what the what, what their ammo is going to be. And I think I, I want to clarify this because a lot of people ask me this and they're confused by all this. So there's a lot of factors that go into why you wouldn't want the fourth pick in the draft, okay? There's a lot of different things that go into it. But one thing that I'll, I'll, I'll give you an example of is go look at, let's say they got the third pick in the draft, okay? And their evaluations say, I'm not saying this is the case. I'm saying if they think this, hey, the third player picked in this draft would normally be like the 12th player in most drafts. So what that means, I want you to go look at Luka Doncic's salary. What that means is that a guy that you see as a mid-first rounder has a salary cap hit of about six to seven more than that, dude. I think I think people are underestimating how high rookie salaries have risen in the last couple years as the cap has gone up because they have not stayed the same. Like five years ago, rookies were making like three million bucks. It keeps going now. The number one pick is going to make almost like ten million dollars. Yeah, Luke is on the books for seven next year, isn't he? Uh, I think like eight, eight as the third pick in last year, which is not an insignificant amount of money. No, it's huge. And so my point is, as you're talking about cap space, and can I? get these guys under the cap you don't want to spend seven million dollars on a guy that you think is a mid first round talent yeah that's not a good way to manage the cap so i i think people get confused what's the third pick in the draft there's a lot of things 7.6 for luca next year okay right so that's last year's third pick in the draft so just think about there's a lot that goes into it it's not just convey the pick you know there's a lot to be discussed what is the value 
of what you think that player is. Now, it could be that the third player in this draft ends up being a 10-time All-Star. It could also mean, I don't know, maybe the Mavs love seven players in this draft. Right. I have no idea. We don't know. I mean, last year, I think it was pretty obvious that they liked Luka, but most teams did. Right. Apparently, even the former Sacramento Kings head coach loved right. Luka. Right, right. Uh, it was kind of a layup. And last year's draft class has performed. And I think everybody leading up to the draft last season said, this is going to be one of those classes. Yeah. Nobody is saying that this year. No, no, no. So I there's, think this is a totally different, it's a, it's a totally different thing. And also, I think that Luca has kind of like uh, affected the way that we view rookies because like now I think we're all going to assume as Mavs fans, the first time they draft that high in a while and the dude is a badass, we're going to think that every top five <laughs> pick is that good. Right. But you got to realize, unless you're the number one pick, you have like less than a 50% chance to even make an all-star team once in your career. Yeah. And that's say, even if you're a top, that's even if you're number two. Say that again. If you're not the number one pick, and I used to have all these numbers in a spreadsheet uh, last year because I would get in arguments with people about Dennis. If you are not the number one pick, you have a less than 50% chance to make an all-star team. Boom. To make one. Boom. And that is even if you're number two overall. Yep. And that's in the last, like, 35 years, lottery era, significant sample size. Your odds are stacked against you to be even a, like, superior player. Right. Relative to your peers. Not even, like, a Hall of Famer. I mean, you are the odds are stacked against you. Yep. So don't let Luca recalibrate your expectation. Luke is the exception party people. Yeah, and, uh, and now you're I lucky mean, the, to have him. The number 3 pick is a great place to be. Guys like Michael Jordan, guys like Luca. I mean, there are uh freaking uh, uh Okay, wait. Oh you God. mentioned Michael Jordan and that's one of the greatest drafts in NBA history. Yeah. This might go down as one of the greatest drafts. Like, dude, if if we had ended up getting Wendell Carter, for example, we would have thought, "Man, we got a really good player. We got to keep building." Yeah. We would have been like, "Oh, man, we got to spare this is a really good draft it's yep. gonna be looked at as one of the great drafts of well all time. until i mean if you get in back-to-back -back lotteries historically speaking if you get dennis and wendell carter you've done pretty well for yourself yeah like hall of fame caliber players only come along every few years and the mavs appear to have gotten one of them uh your odds of getting two two years in a row are about one in like a million i mean let it, me it add, never happens so the timberwolves got back-to-back -back number one picks because of trade with wiggins and carl anthony towns yeah um, Towns is looking very, very good. Towns is spectacular. Wiggins is a good NBA player. Yeah, he's he's solid. Like he if you might, ask me, he might make an All Star team. He might. If I were to bet right now, I'd bet that he wouldn't. Mm -hmm. uh, let me see if I can find that draft. Can you can you talk for like thirty seconds? So once upon a time, a very small child was born in a small town in Germany, and when he was born, he opened his eyes, and in the sky he saw the sun. It was round. Like his future, it looked like a magical basketball exploding in the sky. And even though he was only a few hours old, he knew what his destiny was. And when that little baby squinted and opened his eyes for the second time, a legend was born. That baby's name, Maxi Kleba. <laughs> I did not know where this yeah, was going. Yeah, yeah, great. No one saw that coming. Oh, uh, okay, 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 yep. okay. So here it is. Yep. Uh, all-Stars in the top 10 from 1997 to 2016. This is the great Mark Folliwell. So this is a 20 Thank you, Bobby. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, that's a 20-year sample from 97 to 2016. Uh, the number of players at each pick who were selected as an All-Star at least once in their career over 20 years. Uh, number one pick, 
11 all-star teams. Pretty solid. Number nine pick is second most common at 10. So 10 players in a 20-year period. 50% of number nine picks became an all-star. That's so which weird. Which is great. We got to get the ninth pick in this draft. Yeah, and, and you better be number nine and not number eight. Because if you go to number eight, zero. Pick, only two picks in the entire draft from one to 10 made double-digit all-star teams in 20 years. That's number one and number nine. Number two, four players in a 20-year span made an all-star team. Four out of 20. Wow. That's 20%. Wow. So, I mean, you got to understand here, like, getting so mad about the lottery, and that's why I can't stand the tanking thing, because the lottery is a chance to get a chance. Yeah. Like, drafting someone is another – drafting someone is even longer odds of right. getting somebody good than, like, getting a pick. Right. Like, the Mavs this year have a 26% chance to keep their pick. That means they have a 26% chance – to draft someone that will almost certainly be like at best the third best player on their team. Right. And that's like again that is their odds of making the playoffs next season are higher than their odds of keeping the pick. Like I think you just have to like accept that the draft is still despite how good Luka is and Trey Young and all these other guys like it's still a crapshoot. Let what what happens happen. Just let it happen. Yep. Man gets into the biggest issues when he tries to control the uncontrollable. Exactly, Just dude. Let it happen, that baby. is some that is some wisdom. Thank you. And uh, look, if they get the number two pick, he's for sure going to be an all star. All right, the Mavs are not going to screw it up. But uh, I just want to, you know. I just want to reinforce that the odds of every player that you have heard of in college becoming a Hall of Famer are very slim. Yep. So just be happy whenever good things happen. And be bummed whenever bad things happen. <laughs> like, that's just, you know. Very zen of you. Yeah, it's just what will be will be, you know. Yeah. Carpe diem. Uh, uh, all those other things. Paul McCartney. Yeah, <laughs> Paul McCartney. Um, well, man, I feel like this has been a good a good pod. I feel like we kind of went all over the place, but we kind of ended right back in the middle of the road there, and we're just moving forward. Yeah, just moving forward. I guess we'll hear back from uh, skin. I don't know. What's today? April something? April 18th. Uh, maybe around the lottery? Yep, that sounds maybe, good. Maybe after We'll do a numbers on the boards right around lottery time unless something happens that necessitates it. Okay, okay. And that something could rhyme with Irk Nabiscuit. Oh, that'd be good. Uh, that would be pretty cool because Heroes again. June Absolutely. Uh, yeah, all right. Well, Skin, have a good one. Happy 2018-19 season, everybody. Oh, I hope you enjoyed yeah, it. That's right. It was a. It wasn't what we expected. That's for sure. But it's nope. one that we will never forget. Never for forget. many reasons. I love you, Dirk. I love you, Dirk. Uh, and I love you too, Skin. You too, dog. All right. We'll see y'all soon. It is numbers on the boards.